These two miracles, defining moments where for many people they stopped following Jesus after this time when Jesus would not become the Messiah that they desired. See, they had in their mind, this is how we feel the Messiah should be. We live in a church age today where people kind of want to dictate to Jesus, here's the kind of Messiah that I want. And what we need is a people who's willing to surrender to Jesus, saying, Lord, you are the Messiah. Do with me what you want. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're looking at John chapter 6. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 21. It's a long chapter, 71 verses, so we're going to Spend three weeks in John chapter 6. Going to look at two miracles today. Jesus feeding the 5,000 and also Jesus walking on water. And these are miracles for those of you who are keeping count. Numbers 4 and 5. John recorded 7 in totality in the Gospel of John. And 2 had been in Cana of Galilee where he turned first miracle, a water into wine, and the second miracle there in Cana, the one that John recorded, healing of a nobleman's son in John 4, 54, he said again, this is the second sign that Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. And then we have the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem at one of the feasts, this feast It's significant because it doesn't name the feast. It just says a feast of the Jews. John chapter 5, verse 1. This is actually believed to be a Passover feast. that Jesus did that healing. And so we come to miracles numbers 4 and 5 here in our text. And aside from the Lord's glorious resurrection, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only other miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. And so Jesus then follows this miracle with the miracle of walking on water. It is recorded in three of the four Gospels. Miracles that help to single out Jesus as the unique Son of God, as the people in this text, they began to consider Jesus, verse 14, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. 
And so they began to recognize Jesus as the prophet. We'll get into that as we get into our teaching today. It was after these miracles, though, and by the time we get toward the end of the chapter, and they saw Jesus feeding the 5,000, they thought, this is a great deal. Let's make him our king. And the scripture tells us that they try to take Jesus by force to make him their king. And by the end of the chapter in verse 66, John 6, 66, 666, interesting. It says, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. These two miracles, defining moments where for many people, they stopped following Jesus after this time when Jesus would not become the Messiah that they desired. See, they had in their mind, this is how we feel the Messiah should be. We live in a church age today where people kind of want to dictate to Jesus Here's the kind of Messiah that I want. And what we need is a people who's willing to surrender to Jesus, saying, Lord, you are the Messiah. Do with me what you want. So today we're going to look at the message from John 6, verses 1 through 21. I titled the message, The Prophet. We'll see in verses 1 through 9, a great multitude with a great need. Verses 10 through 14, the method of doing ministry, and verses 15 through 21, a miracle on the sea. I'm going to go ahead and read the context of verses 1 through 9 and open us up in prayer. So our first point, a great multitude with a great need. John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee to the sea, which is the Sea of Tiberias, Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6, but he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to just learn from your word today. Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, reveal to us things that perhaps we have not known before. Or, Lord, remind us of things that we have learned, but perhaps, Lord, haven't been obedient. Or it's just been a while, Lord, and we need a a good reminder of these things. Help us also, Lord, to trust in your miracles John recorded these miracles, seven in totality in his gospel, feeling that these were sufficient, that by them we might believe. And so, Father, I pray that we would not be those who many, Lord, in this world reject the miracles of Scripture. But, Lord, help us to be those who receive these miracles in faith and look forward, Lord, for you working in our lives, our hearts as well. 
through faith. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. So great multitude with a great need. As I said, this is the one miracle besides Jesus resurrecting from the dead. It's the other miracle that's recorded in all four gospels in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and here in John chapter 6, we have the feeding of the 5,000. But this first point I singled out as a great multitude with a great need, verses 1 through 9, because Jesus is letting his disciples realize the great need that is around them. But also, I believe Jesus is pointing out to his disciples their insufficiencies to be able to meet spiritual need. And so we find in verses 1 through 3, this is actually the year of popularity, and it's actually closing out at this point. The theologians call the second year of ministry the year of popularity. And it says in verses 1 through 3, after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, then a great multitude followed him because they had saw the signs which he had performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. And so since the feeding of the 5,000 is recorded in all four gospels, we can place the event in a timeline by looking at the other gospels themselves. And we find through the timeline that the end of chapter five, the beginning of chapter six, that John leaves out as much as six months of ministry that he didn't record for us. We can find that in the other Gospels, but this is the second year, as I said, of Jesus's ministry, also known as the year of popularity, a year that began with the second Passover, which John called, referred to in John 5.1 as a feast of the Jews, and it ends with the beheading of John the Baptist. And we learn from Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, when Jesus heard it, referring to the beheading of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out and saw the great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. This was the setting up of the feeding of the 5,000. And so it actually came right after Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been put to death. His intention was to get away from the crowds, get away from the multitudes, to be with his disciples. Yet it was his year of popularity. He had done many miracles. He had spoke many great messages and the people followed him there. And so with the crowds around, Jesus decided this is a good time to teach my disciples. And he tells us in verses 4 through 7, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he knew what he would do. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. And so this would be talking about the feast of the Jews was near. It's referring to the third Passover. By the time we get to the fourth Passover, Jesus is hung on the cross and crucified. And so it's through 
uh, taking the Gospels and counting the Passover feast that we get the three plus years of ministry. When we talk about Jesus having three plus years of ministry, we're referring to these Passovers that are dictated to us in the Bible. And also because the Passover was near, the people were gathering to go to Jerusalem. And so they would go, uh, Josephus reports, that Jerusalem would swell to a population of about 2 million people at this time. So people are traveling. They're out and about. And they're coming to hear the teacher on this particular occasion. So Jesus decided this is a great time to test my disciples. They're a little bit overwhelmed at seeing the multitudes. The disciples actually came to Jesus, Matthew 14, 15, and 16, and they said, send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And so the disciples are thinking, Lord, they're not being, I don't think they're being cruel. They're thinking practically. They need to go into the villages and get some food. They've been with us for a while now. Send them away. But Jesus using this event to test his disciples. You give them something to eat. But the disciples as a whole, they had nothing to offer the people. So then Jesus directed his question to Philip. Wanting to test him, the Bible says, he asked, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip's response, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient that all could have but a little. 200 denarii is considered 200 days wages. So 200 days of work. And the money that we have from that is not sufficient. So I was wondering how much 200 Days wages average here in the United States today, according to the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average American worker uh, gets paid $24.57 an hour. That's average. Times eight, that's 196.57 a day. Times 200, that's $39,312. Now, that would be like Jesus coming to us saying, you take care of them and we're responding or I'm responding, Lord, $40,000 wouldn't be enough to give all but just a little. Philip perhaps was considering all the available funds that they had and he found that it was insufficient. And I believe that we are often guilty of looking at our physical limitations and trying to meet physical and spiritual needs, and we find that they are insufficient, especially when we are trying to meet the spiritual needs of others. So one of the disciples, the word tells us, verses 8 and 9, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Five barley loaves, not five big fat loaves of bread that you'd buy in the grocery store today. But uh, probably more like this is a boy's lunch. So five biscuits and two small smoked fish. Enough for a child's lunch. That's what we got to be thinking about here when we look at this passage. Five biscuits and a couple of uh, salted fish. 
And the boy's lunch was insufficient to meet such a great need. And it's true. It's always true. Physical energy and strength are always insufficient to meet spiritual need. That's just something we need to realize, that it'll always be insufficient. And that's something that I'm often praying, that God will come and meet a very spiritual need in our community, in our lives, in this church, something that only he can do. It doesn't mean that we don't strive to do our best with the things that he has given us, try to be our best, but knowing that even at our best, it will always be insufficient to meet spiritual needs. See, we don't want people to look to us to meet a spiritual need. They need to look to Jesus. They need to give glory to God. Now, we can be part of that process. We can help. But we want people to get their eyes off of us and always on to Jesus. So we find the method of doing ministry. I could have titled this Our Method of Doing Ministry, verses 10 through 14, as we continue on. In the account of the feeding of the 5,000, verse 10, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted so when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. And so Jesus begins to do the miraculous here, but he did it by first having the men, the people, to sit down. 5,000 men, we have to consider that perhaps there was one woman for every man. Maybe there were more women than men there. Often that is the case when you have a church. Look around. There's often in many churches more women than guys that show up. It's a sad thing, but it's a true thing. And even though we're a small fellowship, I have often had people comment to us that you guys have a lot of guys hanging around in your church. They notice something different about us, even though we're small, that we have men who come as well. And people aren't accustomed to that. We already know that there was a little boy there with the sack lunch, so there were children involved. And that is why the theologians, the scholars say that this could be a feeding of not just the 5,000, but up to fifteen to 20,000, even making the miracle even greater. But we first notice in verse 10, decently and in order, Jesus said to make the people sit down. And the people sat down, the men, in number of about 5,000. And I believe the worship of the Lord, especially when in larger numbers, that they should have order. Therefore, at our services, we begin our services. We worship together here on Sunday morning. We sing together. We stand together. We did that at 
a few times today. Stand up, sit down, stand up. But we do it together. We do our memory verse, our psalms together. We do it for a purpose because there is order in the congregation, not to cause confusion or disorder. And I realize that there are people out there today that believe that disorder is actually a move of God's Holy Spirit, but the Word of God tells us that God is not the author of confusion. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, and also verse 40, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, let all things be done decently and in order. And so we strive to maintain a decent order of the ways that we do things. And it doesn't mean that God can't interrupt our order at times. In this church, I remember on a Wednesday night here once where the Spirit of God began moving. So much so, and this was going way back, probably uh, 17 years ago. But uh, the Spirit of God was moving on a Wednesday night and the children's ministry was going on downstairs and someone from upstairs went downstairs and said, you better come up, something's happening. There was a recognition of the Spirit of God moving. And I remember before the crash of 2008, I walked up to this pulpit with my notes in hand and I started talking and I began kind of saying something like, what if we wake up tomorrow and everything's different? And that Monday morning, there was a crash in our market. There was a point in that message. I took my notes and I picked them up and I, in my pulpit, I have a little shelf here and I said, it's obvious I'm not going to need these today. The Lord moved on me to speak about the possibility of everything changing. And we woke up the next morning and saw that everything changed. God can do that. But in the order, we will always want to leave room for the Spirit to work. It's a desire that I constantly want to see. But as we go about the day-to-day -day things, decently and in order. But also our method of doing ministry, verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. One by one, Jesus broke the bread. And we learn from the other gospels that he broke the bread while looking up to heaven. And so he was praying to the father, looking up into heaven. And by doing so, he was letting the people know from where their blessing came from the father of lights, we might say who comes down from heaven. He was letting the people know who gets the glory. As the psalmist says in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, I will lift up my eyes to the hill. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And this should always be part of the method of doing ministry, that Jesus Christ gets the glory could be that you will often be complimented by others when doing ministry. It, it happens. But we need to be able to give that back to the Lord, to give him praise, to give him worship. But also our method of doing ministry. 
1 Corinthians 11.23, Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That which I received from the Lord, I delivered to you. And we find the disciples here, as the Lord broke the bread, he broke the fish, he gave it to his disciples, who in turn gave it to those who were there. And that should be our method of doing ministry. That which we receive from Jesus, we give to others. It's only through that which we receive from Jesus, that others can be both physically and spiritually satisfied. We're not going to satisfy spiritual need. We can't do it. Only Jesus can do that. And Father, thank you for your word, for what it teaches us. And I pray, Father, Lord, bless us as we go through your word, Lord, especially here this year in the Gospel of John. Give us courage, Lord. Help us to grow in our faith. And help us, Lord, not to just grow and learn more about you, but to take our faith and put it to action. Lord, that we may, as we learn today, receive from you that we might minister to others. That, Lord, through you, we might meet in this world that we live in today, very spiritual needs that are around us all the time. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let go.